Good morning again. I'm Molly Wecker, and I'm one of the worship interns this year. Today's scripture comes from 1 John 2, 13 through 17. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him, him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the, the, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of faith comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does not will, will of God lives forever. Will you please pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day. We hope that everyone stays safe. We ask, we ask you to speak through Mike so we can feel your presence. In your heavenly name, amen. Mommy, hmm? why are you always looking at your phone? I was just checking my email. Oh. But I also do a lot of work from my phone. You have TikTok, right? Yeah. And Instagram? Mm-hmm. What about YouTube? I have that too. I don't have any of those. Well, that's because you're too young. No, it's because I have a life. Wow, huh? Yeah, the mouths of babes. I love that. Good morning. Glad you're here. Uh, I'm Mike Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here. And I want to make sure that as you come into this sermon series that we talk about uh, we're fighting for your family and today we are talking about technology and the, the under sermon title was The Enemy That Infiltrates Your Home. But I want to make sure that you understand in the next handful of moments, my job is not to, to aspire to or dream for a Marty McFly moment where we go back to somewhere where we've been, right? Technology by itself is not taking us straight to hell. It is not. So my purpose this morning or, or whenever you gather with us as the church online, is, is to call your attention to an enemy that may infiltrate your home. It may come. Kind of your choice. Last week, this uh, firm called Common Sense Media reported that 50% of all the children under eight years of age in the United States own their own digital device. More than 50% of the children under eight. On average, those kids watch two hours a day of stuff, or they participate in two hours a day. Now, here's the critical statistic here. The American Academy of Pediat Pediatrics reports that if a child spends more than two hours a day screen time, it lowers their academic prowess and promise significantly. So not only does it lower their academics now, but whatever they're going to be in the future, it does the same. So Christian families, as we seek to fight for your family as the church of Jesus, we need to learn how to manage the impact technology has first on ourselves, like in the video, and on our children. Now, full disclosure, you all know this, I use technology daily. I, I, it was used in the preparation of this message. I go online, I find different kinds of research, and it's being used right now in its delivery. I mean, we have the screens, we have the sound, we can't broadcast 
without the internet working. And I'll tell you this, the technology of my coffee maker, my microwave, my cell phone alarm, and my car brought me here this morning. So it's not that I don't use technology, I use it daily. And in the preaching moment, I say this, technology has both the potential for good and evil. Potential. We welcome it in our homes because the entertainment and education value it provides with the ability also to interact with others. Now, many things have the potential for good or evil, and the, the, the person that has their hands on them chooses, right? I mean, you know, we all have a hammer, and you can use a hammer to pound in a nail or to fix your deck. That's a good thing. You can also stick it in the back of the neighbor's head that annoys you, right? And that's a bad thing, right? Thank you. Somebody said yes. I worry about you Methodists sometimes. And, and I want to tell you this because from the, from the beginning of creation, that free will has been, been uh, available. You know, Michael the archangel and Gabriel the messenger angel were both given the choice of free will. You know, angelic beings are free will. They choose their way, but so is Satan, right? Two chose for good. One chose for evil. So when we talk about the tools that are at our disposal all the time, for your family, we say, the tools that are available to you must be used for good. And that begins with understanding the possibilities. What possibilities do these tools bring to us? Well, here's what we've come to know more recently is that technology no longer is morally neutral. For a long time, we thought, well, technology just is morally neutral. But... That's not what's happening anymore. And I'm going to give you three different resources. You do with them what you wish. First is this movie called The Social Dilemma. Some of you have seen it. Now, The Social Dilemma uh, movie uh, comes with four conclusions. Now, who's in the movie The Social Dilemma? All of the engineers that created some of the most prominent social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, um, I think WhatsApp and, 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 and maybe Snapchat. Uh, I don't think TikTok was up when, when they were doing this, but here's the conclusions you get when you watch that movie, and it's on Netflix and wherever. Um, number one, we're at risk. Number two, government will and can do very little to solve the problem. Number three, which was astonishingly consistent throughout the whole movie, the builders of these platforms and their families do not use them. And they ban their children from using them. Now imagine this. Imagine that you're standing outside a brand new house with the builder of that house. And he says, hey, look at the house. Why don't you go in and take a look? And you say, well, come with me. He says, oh, no, I ain't going in there. It's too dangerous. You probably wouldn't buy it, right? Or imagine going to your favorite restaurant. And, and, and the chef comes out and he says, here, this is my morning surprise. I'd love for you to eat it. It's, it's delicious. And they said, well, sit down and eat with this. And he said, oh, no, I'd never eat any of that. It's bad for you. And that's what the builders of social media are telling us in the movie The Social Dilemma. And they were really clear consistently across the board is if you're going to use it, you can and you should master it. You should not allow it to master you. Second resource I want to put in front of you uh, so you can do it on your own time. Please don't do it until after 10 or 11.15 is uh, Humane Tech 
or humanetechnology.com. Um, <clears throat> Humane Tech is a, a website that really is pushing to try to have holistic use of the internet, uh, trying to do things that aren't, you know, d damaging, destroying your, or eroding your, your moral fabric. And I want to give you a resource that's right here, right now. Um, in our growth group books right now, it doesn't matter if you're taking the classes right now or anything, there's some at both Welcome Centers. Um, flip to today's lesson on, on uh, October 8th lesson. And if you're a parent, and I, I almost did this, but... I, I chose not to. There's, there's some five or six QR codes in there about videos about different aspects of, uh, that our growth group fought, uh, found about technology. I'd encourage you to just grab one, take it home with you, and spend a half hour. Uh, you won't be disappointed because it's useful and instructional um, about the use of technology, the impact it has on your children, the impact it has on you, all those kind of stuff. It's fen phenomenal work by, by our people, so I, want, I was grateful uh, to them. Now, I also want to say that that um, we need to understand the possibilities that technology is, no, is not morally neutral anymore. And secondly, it was built with addiction in mind. It was absolutely built with addiction in mind. This guy, uh, uh, Chamath, his last name I think is Paliafia. He made millions of dollars working for Facebook. He was one of their CEOs. Made a ton of cash. Uh, helped him build it up. And he was mostly there in 07 to 11 when it really just kind of exploded. Um, and a few years back, he was talking to a whole handful or a big audience of uh, students at Stanford University, and he has this to say. Take a look at this. I want to bring us back to the point that you were making about exploiting consumer behavior in a consumer internet business. You said that this is a time for soul searching in social media businesses, and, and you were part of building the largest one. What soul searching are you doing right now on that? I feel tremendous guilt. Um, I, think we, I think we all knew in the back of our minds, even though we feigned this whole line of like, there probably aren't any really bad unintended consequences. I think in the back, deep, deep recesses of our minds, we, we kind of knew something bad could happen. But I think the way we defined it was not like this. It literally is a point now where I think we have created tools that are ripping apart the social fabric of how society works. That is truly where we are. And I would encourage all of you as the future leaders of the world to really internalize how important this is. If you feed the beast, that beast will destroy you. If you push back on it, we have a chance to control it and rein it in. And it is a point in time where people need to hard break from some of these tools and the things that you rely on. The short-term dopamine-driven feedback loops that we have created are destroying how society works. No civil discourse, no cooperation, misinformation, mistruth. And it's not an American problem. This is not about Russian ads. This is a global problem. So. We are in a really bad state of affairs right now, in my opinion. It is, it is eroding the core foundations of how people behave by and between each other. Um, and I don't have a good solution. You know, my solution is I just don't use these tools anymore. I haven't for years. It's created huge tension with my friends, huge tensions in my social circles. Um, if you look at, like, you know, 
my Facebook feed. I probably haven't, I've posted maybe two times in seven years. Three times, five times. Like just, it's less than 10. Um, and it's weird. I guess I kind of just innately didn't want to get programmed. And so I just turned, tuned it out. But I didn't confront it. And now to see what's happening, it's really, it really, it really bums me out. Like think about, like there were these examples where um, there was a hoax in WhatsApp where um, in some like village in India, um, people were like afraid that their kids were going to get kidnapped, etc. And then there were these lynchings that happened as a result where people were like vigilante running around. They think they found the person and they, I mean, I mean, seriously? Like that's what we're dealing with. You know, Im imagine like when you take that to the extreme where, you know, bad actors can now manipulate large swaths of people to do anything you want. It's just a, it's a really, really bad state of affairs. And we compound the problem, right? We curate our lives around this perceived sense of perfection because we get rewarded in these short-term signals, hearts, likes, thumbs up, and we conflate that with value and we conflate it with truth. And instead, what it really is is fake, brittle popularity that's short-term and that leaves you even more, and admit it, vacant and empty before you did it. Because then it forces you into this vicious cycle where you're like, what's the next thing I need to do now? Because I need it back. Think about that compounded by two billion people. And then think about how people react then to the perceptions of others. It's just a, it's a really bad. It's really, really bad. Did you keep track of how many times he said it was bad, really bad, or I feel profound guilt over part of his life's work? I mean, he, he made some conclusions on there, and I didn't play the whole video because it gets kind of earthy when he's talking to college students. You, you can watch it, but I couldn't play the words in here. Um, social media, he said, is destroying our society. It's eroding the very core foundations of how people ha behave. Do we want that? Do we want it eroding the very core foundations? And then he says, me and my family, we don't use them. Why? Because I don't want to be programmed. I don't want to be manipulated. Because bad actors can manipulate large numbers of people to do anything. And you heard the example on there. So we need to understand. And in the second part of the video that you didn't see, he says, behind every screen are a thousand people seeking to get your attention. A thousand people watching you and what you're doing, trying to get your attention. And those people are compensated very heavily to create algorithms to learn about you and what appeals to you. And an algorithm, is, an algorithm is pretty simple. It's got a broad application. It's simply a procedure used for solving a problem or performing a computation. And what is the problem they're trying to solve in social media? You. You're the problem they're trying to solve. They're trying to solve the problem of how do I keep your attention? How do we keep their attentions on the screen? And I know this is, is true because in the last month or so, I've started looking for a truck, Right? And I don't know if I said it when my iPhone was in the car and Siri grabbed it, or if I don't know if maybe they picked up the fact that I drove into one of the local car dealers. But now I'm on Facebook, and, I, and I, 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 I'm not saying all you should do this, but I kind of re reduced from just to Facebook uh, and, and uh, WhatsApp on social media because some of the rest of it wasn't doing any good for me. 
But I'll be like, oh, cool, somebody had a birthday, uh, Deary Ford. Oh, somebody had, uh, you know, an anniversary. Oh, McGrath. You know, every other thing in my feed now is, Mike, you need a new truck. This is shiny. Buy it. (laughs) Right? They learn about you. And they're trying to, you know, I'm not like Ron Swanson in in Parks and Recs, who when they find out they've got cookies in there, he takes his computer and throws in the dumpster. We can't, I I, I bought my own computer, so I'm not going to do that. But there's always this whispering voice behind the screen saying, stay right there. Just, just watch one more YouTube video. Y- you've got to see this cat that can drive a steam shovel. You know, <laughs> It's just like that. It's whispering. And, and I think we need to understand that when, we, when, when, when it's built with addiction, we understand it can take us anywhere. It can take us anywhere. It can, it can take us to the wonderful. You know, um, <clears throat> You can use your social, you know, your, your media to, to stream a movie in your home and have a fun movie night where you and your family are just enjoying it. You can look at uh, do-it-yourself videos to learn how to, you know, paint a wall or whatever. Of course, you know, if you got Prime Video, Thursday night football's on there, you know. And, and you know, I, I talked to both of my daughters, one of which is in Greece and one of which is in, in Seoul, Korea in the last 24 hours on FaceTime. I, I love being able to do that. Those are life-giving things. And of course, uh, those of you that know me real well know that I, I, wa- I read my Bible every single day uh, from my iPad and, and the studies that go with it. So there's this wonderful possibility that it can take you anywhere, but it also can take you to the horrible places. You can look online and, and you can find do-it-yourself ways to commit suicide and nobody knows or you can find do-it-yourself videos on how to live with anorexia and not let your parents know you're not eating there is lascivious videos of course of every type and how I I got a site the other day that somebody was struggling with this and they sent me a, a site that said this is how you can cheat on your spouse and never be found and then keep thinking you love them and of course uh, there's websites and all that that degrade people of every kind. But if, I say, of course, to you parents, because you need to hear this. There is such a prevalence of bullying out there. We've got a lot of 10-foot typists out there that wait until it gets dark to bully your boy or girl in your house. So, so Christianity is what we're talking about here. We, ten, we need to use technology for the benefit of your family, of others, and the kingdom of God. And we start with going where you plan to go. When you sit down at a computer screen or you look down in your lap at that phone, you decide where you're gonna go. You don't let it take you where it wants you to go. They've already decided where you want to go, but you need to go. I used to have a friend named Frank LaRora, and I was talking to him once in Colorado Springs, and he was going on vacation. I said, well, where are you going, Frank? And he said, you know, I'm just going to drive to the corner of Academy and Constitution, take my hands off the wheel, and wherever the car starts to lean, that's where I'm going to go. And, okay, cool for a vacation, but so many of us do that when we click onto a computer screen or into, onto our, to our phones. We need to take the wheel and firmly grip it and search and watch and interact in everything that we're going to interact with with Christian intentions. We understand that we're held accountable for everything that we see and do everywhere we go and everything that we do. And I think one of the things, and I got Google searched on this during the last service, and I'm so proud of myself to tell you I'm telling the truth here. We need to, when we're trying to, to, to do things for the glory of God, we got to embrace the benefits of boredom. 
Sounds weird, doesn't it? You know, every one of us in this room at one time, maybe right now, has said, I'm bored. <laughs> and when you're in boredom, what do you want to do? You want to escape it. And I want to tell you, and I want to encourage you to embrace the boredom and don't think that the answer is always in your lap. It's not always there. Boredom, for the positive, can improve your mental health. You can Google check me, or whatever your platform is, because it'll improve your mental health because for a moment you can stop the overload from draining in there. You can take a break for it. And you might even take a minute and just say, oh wow, it's fall, these trees are cool. But I guarantee you they're not right here. Boredom increases your creativity. It, it turns you inward. It gives you opportunities to think about stuff, to, to, to uh, uh, you know, provoke the problem-solving nature of your thing. I mean, a couple of, uh, it's probably 10 years ago now. Teresa and I are driving across North Marion, and I don't know where, if you know where the intersection of Windermere and Winchester is, but Winchester's coming down this hill, and it has a stop sign, which is important to this story. I'm coming across Windermere, and just out of my right just out of my peripheral, I see this thing just coming down the hill fast, and I'm like, and then I looked at it, I said, that can't stop. They're not going to stop. And it was this little go-kart um, that they'd made, you know, out of, you know, wood and stuff like that with four wheels on it, duct tape, of course, and there's two other boys chasing it. One guy in it, of course, no helmet, mouthpiece, or shoulder pads. Two guys chasing it, and he goes across that, that intersection, and boom, hits the curb, goes flying out, and the other two finally get down there, and they're laughing, having a great time, and they're all in my confirmation class. <laughs> and I said, guys, P. Mike almost ran you over. I said, you ran the stop sign. And one of them said, yeah, but that was awesome, wasn't it? And I'm like, yeah. I said, well, what, what, what provoked you to do this? They said, oh, we're just sitting around, and our parents said, go we were just so bored so we grabbed some wood and we made and I said has everybody written it and they're like yeah do you want to I'm like no I'm good but uh, <laughs> I like uh, I paid my insurance but no but 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 look how much fun how many solutions that you made to various problems when you just had to think or when you said I'm bored I think I'll go I think I'll go do something or another and I think also a lot of people and myself in college one of the main um characteristics of my spiritual search was I was bored and eventually started turning to scriptures you know today when you're bored you can say you know some guy preached a sermon on technology maybe there's 50 more online take a look and see what else and uh, we'll head you we'll head you towards the rest of your day momentarily but um, I would say we need to make our screens make screens your family digital vegetables. Not brain dead. The vegetables are good for you. You know, make your screens just emote and saturate your family if you're gonna use them with things that are good for you. You know, there's so much Christian and near-Christian programming available. There's so much stuff that's funny out there that doesn't have to be negative. Somebody in the last service says, oh, yeah, you're right. There's funny stuff that doesn't have to be negative. We watched the Beverly Hillbillies on YouTube last night. Okay, you know, so, so, no, you guys don't laugh, so you don't know what that is. But <laughs> look it up, you know. 
Um, there's so much stuff that's informational that you can actually expand your understanding of the world and yourself and there's stuff even that like you know if you've got a problem with a range of motion there's exercise videos that you can go work out with your spouse or your friends and and get stronger and 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 more active but and and you can use these tools that 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 are prevalent everywhere to to grow your intimacy and understand with God and your understanding of it. The biblical research library that's on the internet is astonishingly broad and thick and deep. There's video collections on there that on, on whatever, you know, whether, whether you're on, you know, uh, Netflix or whatever that, that move from instruction to, to, to ed, uh, entertainment. And you can use them to, to see the world and to build sturdy personhood in the people that are emerging from your house there, there are many christians in the world i i because i'm part of the global methodist church i have friends in four continents i had a meeting yesterday that was eight o'clock my time but the person that was farthest away was at 10 o'clock their time okay zoom but we're on four continents different cultures and I encourage you to use those tools that you have in your hands all the time to let your kids see the magnificence of Christianity in every culture, to see that others have survived and, and, and endured lots of personal struggles and that worship in, in uh, the Congo, for instance, is very different than worship here and, and, and worship in the Philippines is so much different than worship here, but it's all looking at, at Christ. And I encourage you to find some good news for your family to look at. Um, we've got lots of stuff that's, that's bad news because when we look at good news, it builds our positivity towards the world and our kids will go into it um, with a glass half full, not the things empty kind of mentality. And when we, when we make our screens, our family's digital vegetables, it will strengthen our kids and some of you are grandparents here, so grandkids in ways that are appropriate to their generation. You know, playground bullies used to be able to be solved with a good right cross. That's not right anymore because playground bullies are now digital bullies. And your kids, your grandkids need more than a good right cross to throw down with these people. They need adults that are willing to help them cope with what's going on. They need your leadership in finding possible solutions. What Molly read for a few moments ago, I'm writing to you fathers in the faith. Stand up for what you believe. Lean into it. You've known it for a long time. Help them out. Don't be a coward. Step into the faith. And I, and I got to tell you this one, one time. You're going to have to, you, you need to, to, to help. You need to be the authority in their lives. I remember my mother, God bless her memory, my mom, my brother and my and my sister's mother passed away yesterday um, after a long, long walk. So it's a hallelujah for us more than it is a sad thing. But I remember my mom, she would probably tell Mark this too, but I got in a lot more trouble than he did. But, um, and she said, if ever you're in a situation you don't want to be in, I'll be the bad guy. You can pick up my belt and throw me under the bus. I said, well, mom, I don't, I don't want my friends to be mad at you. And she says, I don't want a bunch of 15-year-olds to be my friends. Right? We need to remember that, that, that our parents, you know, most of our kids don't pay for their own devices. And sometimes we're protecting them. We think, oh, gosh, they won't be able to talk to their friends. They don't need to talk to their friends at a certain time at night. 
And what do you care if their friends are mad at you? You want your kid not to be your best friend now, but to be your best friend whenever they're in their 20s or 30s. We, we need to have the ability to say, I'm going to lead you in this, and it's difficult, and you're not going to like it, and that will probably show me I'm being a good parent. But I'm going to protect you from some of the bullies by charging your phone in my bedroom, not yours. Well, Dad, I don't know how to, uh, you know, I won't wake up on time. Well, Walmart will sell you a clock for six bucks, and it'll be just fine. Or I'll come in and throw water on you. You pick. <laughs> but no one, and, and I know this to be true, no one has the perfect answer for, for, um, for navigating technological advances because we don't know what they're going to be. And technology will not, nor do we want it, to uninvent itself. So we need to understand the possibilities and get the fact that scriptures are clear that the good and evil will always exist side by side. Jesus tells a parable about the wheat and the tares. The wheat and the tares are gonna grow in the same row and they'll be sorted out at the end. And our intentional choices are very critically important. And I know we don't like to hear this, but here's a simple truth. Every single device I own was built with an off switch. They didn't build it for me not to use. So sometimes we need to do that. And we need to program ourselves to use technology for the benefit of your family, of others, and the kingdom of God. Psalm 101 calls us, I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When will you come to me? I will conduct the affairs of my house with a blameless heart. I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. So, let us pray together. Heavenly Father, may we live with a heart of integrity in our home. Empower us as parents and grandparents to become fearless gatekeepers, aware that the enemy always desires to infiltrate our homes. Let not any of us set anything worthless before our eyes. Cause us to look to you and be radiant, turning away from anything that would cover us with shame. Protect us from every evil of this age, we pray. Amen.